folks, it's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. Steve Williamson here. We've got a full house in the studio today, plus uh, uh, one of our regular callers. uh, um, And uh, Karen McClellan is here. Yep. (laughs) And Stephen Hanks. Stephen is our local prognosticator, and we're going to be talking to our prognosticator-in-chief by long distance. Um, And... uh, uh, Dan Single, and Dan is a former professor, um, a historian, and a, and a political science and a political historian. Dan, are you there? Yes, I am. Ah, Good to be with you. You sound loud and clear. It's a, a snowy day here in Sedona, which is rare, and there's ice on the highway, and it's kind of uh, exciting for us. Sunshine spokes, but you're in Massachusetts, so it's like no, no. I'm in upstate New York. Upstate which New is, York. Okay. We we get a hundred inches of the stuff every uh, winter, but it's a nice day today. You should come. <laughs> let's let's talk about your predictions. When when was it last July that we had you on? Or yeah, I, I was on in. Um, I think the beginning of August, but I had sent out an email uh, to you and a whole bunch of my friends right. and relations uh, on July 10. And uh, at that time, everyone was predicting a red wave. They they said things would be, you know, a, a slaughter for Democrats in the midterm. And so I sent out a message saying why I am very optimistic about 2024 and not uh, as worried about 2022. And uh, I don't know, we'll see what happens for two years from now, but uh, I pretty much nailed things uh, for the midterms. And the, the, the interesting thing is why, what was, what, what was there that made it possible to predict that? I think that's a good question. Uh, you know, you got it a little wrong. You said there'd be a two or three seat pickup in I the said Senate. Two. And there was a one one seat pickup in the Senate. Well, if you remember when I was on the show, I still was saying I thought a two seat pickup, which was not that far off. But and at the time, everyone was assuming there would be a loss in the Senate. Um, but I said I thought uh, that the race in Wisconsin was really iffy and that I would not be surprised if Ron Johnson pulled it out, hard that he is. Uh, and that, in fact, happened. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, ca- I came awfully close. I probably should have pulled back on, on Wisconsin, but uh, I was so optimistic I didn't. Well, you were, away. you were fundamentally right, Dan, about something shifted in like mid-early July, I think. And suddenly, I think a lot of us sort of felt it. Something had shifted from the, the Republican wave to something else going on. 
And and part of it was, of course, the earlier Supreme Court decision, which really activated a lot of uh, younger people. And the other thing was just something seemed to shift in. The well, the July, the, the January sixth hearings also contributed to to what was changing in the country, and also the continued gun violence around the country. I think had moderates and independents, you know, really. Uh, and, and also, you know, every day in the news, Trump, you know, being being, uh, being, Trump. Uh, being yeah, being <laughs> Trump and, you know, the documents case. I mean, it was just in everybody's face. And I think independents and moderate Republicans really swayed a lot of these elections. And it was the combination of all those things that did it. What are they saying about nine percent of Republicans voted for the some of the Democrats? Yeah, candidates. and independents uh, went went that way. Um, yes, well, we basically won independence uh, in many states, although not in mine. Mm. That's an interesting yeah. Yeah, uh, giant, issue giant. as well. But uh, I don't, I really don't think it had. Well, certainly the Supreme Court decision right. was extremely important. I'm not sure January 6 had much impact. Uh, uh, I think the real. Uh, you know, it's the economy, stupid, as someone once said. And I think things began to shift there. And uh, as a result, uh, I think independent voters began wondering, well, really, is it so bad? And uh, 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 it was enough to, you know, uh, fend off the red wave. Uh, but still, I mean, the Republicans did take the House uh, by a small margin, and that, again, I think was was the economy. Yeah, Dan, I, Don, uh, Don, ironically, um, you being in upstate New York and me being a New Yorker that just moved here a couple of years ago, it was the redistricting in New York that cost us enough seats that cost us the House, most likely, right? Well, yes, uh, that's absolutely right, but you have to add something very important in New York, something specific to the state, but nonetheless worth paying attention to, and that was the massive anti-crime right. campaign that the Republicans waged, especially their candidate for governor, Lee Zeldin, mm -hmm. who turned out to be a lot uh, stronger than anyone had expected. He's a former congr well, he still is a congressman from uh, Long Island, and he knew how to appeal to independent and suburban voters. And what he basically did was run one clip uh, after another of violent crime. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just saturated the airwaves with this image of the whole state being given over blamed it all on Kathy Hochul and the Democrats. And we had a particular problem here because uh, progressive Democrats had pushed through a cashless bail law. Mm -hmm. And the Republicans were able to point to that and say, the Democrats are letting all the violent criminals out of jail the minute they're arrested. This is why we have a problem, vote Republican. And it worked. It made a big difference. It made a, so that's a difference. An issue, that's an issue I think Republicans are going to keep an eye on. You're going to start seeing more of the crime issue 
uh, as we go forward, uh, you know, coming from them. Yeah, it didn't work as much here and a lot of other places, but it wasn't used as much as it was in New York. Right, and exactly. There's always been yeah, those... See, the way you make the crime issue work is to saturate with it. You, you really yeah. have to focus on it in a kind of monomaniacal fashion, which is what Selden did. And he almost won. It only won, works if right? you do that. Yeah, he almost won with, with that strategy. He came within six points of beating, uh, I think, uh, perhaps the, one of the very best uh, uh, Democrats in waiting uh, that we have. I think Kathy Hochul is, a, is really presidential material. She's uh, spectacular in so many ways, and yet she came within six points of losing, and it was the strength of Lee, Lee Zeldin and the crime issue. Uh, that uh, basically made it so close. So the crime issue, you think, is coming back, Dan, in in twenty four, and yeah. all this uh, the super progressive stuff about defund the police and prosecutors uh, refusing to prosecute property crimes to in much extent like San Francisco really came back to haunt Democrats, or was it pure propaganda? Well, it is pure propaganda because crime rates are not all that high. Uh, they went up during the pandemic. We don't have any figures, actually, from the current year. And uh, probably they're going to tail off, but the Republicans won't care about that. No, <laughs> they're not going to tell you when things have gotten better. Well, not, not to mention the fact that the crime issue, as the Republicans always use it, is a cover for what their real agenda is, and that's doing anything they possibly can to demonize minorities and African Americans because they always extrapolate increasing crime as being coming from inner city black neighborhoods or or immigrants or immigrants Which yeah is the so western version yeah yeah so they so they they couch it in the crime issue because it's the it's the usual fear tactic for suburban yeah, voters so a lot a lot of those uh, criminals committing violent uh, crimes in those clips were black. Yeah. Not all. They were careful. But uh, a very large number of them were black, and it was very conspicuous. You mean not as blatant as Willie Horton in the Bush year? Right. Well, again, they mixed in just enough white violent criminals to right. uh, kind of get get out from under the charge that they were being racist. The studies I've seen have always shown that uh, the fear of crime is not in uh, sort of progressive urban neighborhoods. It's in the neighborhoods that are adjunct to the areas that are, are highly integrated. And uh, a lot of the propaganda always works better in the suburbs that are still nearly all white or a high percentage of white. And that are generally relatively safe. Yes, they're actually very, they're <laughs> yeah. actually generally safe. Uh, absolutely. It's a play for the independent suburban vote. And that's exactly what happened uh, in New York, which is why I think <clears throat> the Republicans will uh, try to use it again, because that's going to decide uh, the election next time. Yeah, I think it. Those I voters. Think it, I think it very well might. Um, turning from New York and looking at the whole 
uh, election, like what happened in Georgia, which was positive and part of your prediction. Um, what is your feeling about the, how the contest developed across the whole country, or do you have one? Well, again, I think uh, the fact that gas prices fell so dramatically and we tend to forget about that. We have, we all have short memories. I do too. In fact, I don't have much memory left at all. But uh, in uh, June, uh, gas prices peaked at I think it was five dollars and twenty cents a gallon, national average, and they were starting to come down. They had dropped thirty cents by July when I sent out my email. And they kept falling. Uh, they were down to about, uh, what, about $3.70 as people went to vote. Well, that was a significant drop. It's under $4 and here and there. I don't think people ought to vote based on gas prices. Yeah. It's a very foolish thing to do. But nonetheless, it's a reality. Dan, um, I, I wanted to ask you if you thought uh, this was a mistake by the Democrats in the campaign. Uh, right before the election, I was planning on writing a column for my media, uh, Medium blog about how the Democrats needed to use what they used so effectively in 2018 to flip 40 seats. And if you remember... Everybody who did the postmortem of that election said that the Democrats were able to do that because of the constant focus on health care and how the Republicans were going to attack it. And it really surprised me in the 22 campaign, given the fact that, you know, we had the abortion issue. We had major Republican senators talking about doing away with Social Security and Medicare, which is health care. You know, the whole, and, and of course they want to kill Obamacare. Why the Democrats didn't use health care as an issue more in this cycle? Uh, I think the reason was that voters weren't as concerned about it. Hmm. Uh, they should have been, but nonetheless, uh, the pressing daily problem of rising prices was what was occupying their attention. Uh, if you look at Wisconsin, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name anymore. Our candidate for Senate right. against Ron Johnson did try to use health care as mm -hmm. a major issue because Ron Johnson had been so opposed to right. uh, the Affordable Care Act. And look what happened. He lost. You know, are you surprised that Tim Ryan didn't do better in Ohio, given who the candidate was on the Republican side? Because in my predictions, um, I had the Democrats winning 53, at least 53 seats, because I really thought Ryan could win, and I thought um, Cheryl Beasley could win in North Carolina, as well as uh, beating Johnson. So that's where I had my three uh, Democratic pickups besides Fetterman. And um, it seems like the Democrats decided not to put as much money into those races. At least that's what Tim Ryan was complaining about. But I was surprised that he didn't do better in that race. His big problem, uh, I think, Steve, was uh, that you had Mike DeWine at the top of the ticket. Uh, yeah. Who was a powerful vote-getter bringing out Republicans. 
And uh, in Ohio, they, they do things in a regular fashion. I know I did a lot of canvassing in that state in the 2008 election for Obama. Mm-hmm. And uh, they love order. <laughs> uh, and uh, so they tend to vote ticket. And uh, that was that was a huge problem for Tim Ryan, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Cheryl Beasley, I thought she was wonderful. She was my yeah. favorite Democratic candidate of this last cycle. But, uh, you know, North Carolina is tough. I wish she had gotten more support uh, from the National Party. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm still not sure she could have pulled it out. Uh, I, I think uh, there was another. That was the state where economic issues were uh, very salient. Right, right. And the fact that she was black may have been of a course. problem with independence, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Karen, did you have predictions, or are you uh, just a watcher? And, and <laughs> just Karen is our expert on on on. Uh, she knows everybody in in, in uh, Arizona politics oh. practically who runs for office. And, yeah, no, I didn't have a lot. Of, I'm just saying some of what you just said about Ohio may reflect another place. Of course, Arizona, we had you know uh, some really crazy people running, but we also didn't have an incumbent governor. So I think maybe. Uh. Yep. That may have uh, probably led sure. to to some of the votes that Walker got, you know, first time round in you know in Georgia because there was an incumbent governor who was not unpopular. You know, exactly. Who, you know, running in Ohio had we didn't have an uh, an incumbent running for governor. We had you know a traditional Democrat and a very very crazy Republican. So if you were, if the, I don't know, if maybe if, if Ducey this has been Ducey's second term. <laughs> The rest of the of the statewide races might have been different, but when you have a a crazy Republican at the top of the ticket and several crazy Republicans all the way down the Senate, House of Representatives, and the Secretary of State, <laughs> Attorney General, you had you had a critical mass of Republican oh, yeah. nutcases. Yes, yeah, we and we had you know you've got someone <laughs> running for Secretary of State of all the of all the election deniers who ran for Secretary of State. Fincham was, I think, the only one who was physically there outside the Capitol on January 6th. And a militia right. member. And a, and, a, and a proud militia member. He scrubbed that off his website since then. But for years, he was proud that he was an Oath Keeper. So we had probably one of the craziest of the crazy there. And then we had a Republican on the top of the ticket, for, and oh, Carrie sure. Lake, who was completely, whose only claim to fame was that Donald Trump supported her. Right. Well, she, she was, was, a, a, she she's was an excellent candidate speaker because she was a lifelong TV news personality, so she was very able to, to pre- present herself in a she certain was way. Could I add something to that, Karen? Yeah. You also had, as the, the de facto head of your ticket, someone who was really solid in Mark Kelly. Yes. Right, right. Yes. And yeah. that helped. That's true. Yeah, that's and, true. But yeah. unfortunately, the, one of the nutcases won and beat our district, uh, our our congressional district congressman. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Our, our new co- we've replaced Tom O'Halloran, who was in a moderate Democrat member of what that No Labels Coalition, uh, the Blue Dog, too. Blue Dog, all those things with somebody whose uh, first public statement price is elected is he won't support McCarthy. You know, he's he's there in Andy Biggs's pocket. Yeah. So who knows what? <laughs> I've, I've already started lobbying on the Democrats of the Red Rocks board that we should be proactive in finding somebody to run against this guy and make him a one-term congressman. It's going to be tough, Stephen, because uh, the... Um 
he had won so so many times, you know, and had so much support, and was about as conservative as a Democrat right. yeah. that 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 local Democrats could support. So, um, well, I really hate seeing Tom O'Halloran go. He should have left the Democratic Party and become an independent. He tried that before. He Tom tried that. Oh, okay. on, the, on the state legislature, Didn't when work. he he was a Republican in our state legislature, and then he ran as a independent, but he didn't want the overt support of the Democrats, so he lost. And we ran no Democrat against him. We uh, yeah. it was kind of weird because we had a Democratic Party pamphlet with his name on it, and supporting like him, that. even though he was an independent. Mm. And he made us go through with little stamps and take his name off of our pamphlet. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, he oh, felt he felt that would hurt him. It was, I think, a miscalculation on his Big part. Then. Yes. But because uh, it it was, he, if anybody could have been the first independent elected to the Arizona legislature, he would have, you know. Yeah. Been you know been sort of the the ideal sort of profile of a candidate for but he Arizona. was redistrict uh, Dan he, just, and, uh, he would not, I don't think he would have lost no. if he had been in his old district. No. Yeah, um, Carrie well, Lake that happens, and of course you had a Republican-controlled legislature, which uh, will do things like that. Well, we yeah. st- we still do, but the one thing that's happened this is the third cycle now where the balance of, of Democrats and Republicans has not changed in our legislature. It didn't change in 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 2020. It didn't change in 2018. You know, it's uh, you know, it's one vote away from being tied in both houses. And the 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 people have changed, but the numbers haven't. The Republicans who are elected have changed, but there's the same number of them today that there were in 2018, which is you know, somebody we haven't lost any ground. Even we just never can seem to pick up the, ne- the yeah. a couple of seats. And that's because the redistricting in Arizona on the legislative level pretty much has created the vast majority of those are pretty safe seats one way or the other. Yeah. Well, I still would predict, I still would predict, and here I think maybe we ought to look, look ahead, uh, but I, I suspect you're going to see a resurgence of Democrats in congressional races in 2024, uh, at least in uh, those districts that were kind of marginal when they got recalibrated. And uh, I, I think we're going to take back the House mm-hmm. in 2024. Uh, either hold or I think we could pick up some seats in the Senate. But, of course, that also depends on Arizona. You've got a senator <laughs> coming up for re-election. And I bet she wins. Yeah, now you, just oh, before we went no. on the air, you were you were saying something on how you thought that I, was. I a, can't wait to hear this. A good political move on her <laughs> part. We like hear your take on on what why you think she did what she did and said she was becoming independent. Well, if you uh, you know if you look at her chances in a Democratic primary, they were awful. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she true. was probably going to be defeated at that point. Uh, if she wanted to stay in the race, she would have had to quickly set herself up as an independent, and it would have looked like a move that she made because she had lost. This way, she preempts the whole thing. Uh-huh. She goes, uh, switches to be an independent now. She's able to say she's doing it on, on the grounds of principle, high moral principle. Which nobody believes. Okay. Oh, well, I think, no, voters. <laughs> you know, they're not as, as they don't watch these things as yeah. carefully as we do. Yeah. Uh, a lot of voters who are independent will say, "Oh, 
she's a real independent like me. So I think she'll get a very sizable amount of that independent vote, which is the biggest chunk in Arizona, right? It is yeah. the biggest chunk. On paper. A fair, On paper. Yeah. fair number of Democrats yeah. who don't want to lose the Senate who will vote for her because they think she's the best chance of keeping the Senate. I think we're, we're expecting a very good uh, Democratic candidate in the race, uh, Dan, that'll make a difference. And, um, and uh, uh, you know, he has a great bio from serving in the Marine Detachment in right. Iraq yeah. that suffered the highest casualties in the war and and, and all the rest we're of talking it. about Ruben Gallego. We, yes, yeah. we're talking about Ruben yeah. Gallego. And, well, uh, it could be an interesting race. The thing I would worry about is if he and Cinema, in effect, split the left-of-center yeah. vote, and that, that allows the Republican to sneak in. That well, could very well happen. And I've been listening now, what, two days, three days, you know, she's dominated the, the news cycle. And those of us who followed her for longer in Arizona, I'm a member of the Democratic State Committee, you know, where the question of censure came up, I think, four or five times over you know, the last five, you know, four or five years. And it wasn't until, you know, the, recently in the past year that it actually gained sort of enough votes to people really consider it. But I, you know, there are quite a number of, of people in Arizona and sort of the local Prokoski who assume she won't run. That this is a political move because she is she's dominating the news cycle. Um, I heard an art read an article in one of the national press about an immigration bill that's being debated, and there's like ten Republicans and ten Democrats working on some kind of a compromise bill on the Dreamers and some of these immigration issues. She's the only person you hear of, so she will have a yeah. year of being the kingmaker, the dealmaker, and I would not be surprised if come early next year or come sometime, you know. Later in 2023, she sort of says she's not running, and she moves over to a multi-million-dollar-a-year job in some little consulting firm. That's a after, possibility. After a year of having yeah, been the, the deal maker, she's given I, herself that option. But the I, other possibility is the immigration bill finally does go through. And she gets uh, credit. Maybe she gets all watered the credit, down yeah. a bit, but still, uh, yeah. she can take credit for it. Yeah. But what she has done is allow herself to capture the center mm -hmm. of the political spectrum. She will be there holding the center. And as I read your state, uh, that is the way to uh, eventually prevail. I would think and not you and I prevail, may not, Dan, but... you know, sway our votes uh, in those terms. We may not think that way. It, it'll come but down. you have an awful lot of people who... Uh, are kind of on the borderline of political allegiance, and uh, if she presents herself as an independent centrist, I think she's, you know, going to uh, basically uh, do do pretty well. I agree that that's a strong position and has a lot of cachet here in Arizona. The IDB, an independent John McCain, was an independent Republican. But he was Republican. also always a Republican. There's, there's always, always that. Yeah. She's also. But she had no choice. She couldn't have remained a Democrat. She no. would not have gotten out of the primary. She couldn't get out right. of a Republican primary. So we've wondered for a while what she would do. I interviewed but what a smart she, thing to preempt she's, the whole process and, and you know, do it now. She's, um, she's, she's one of the uh, – I started interviewing candidates almost 20 years ago. 
when she was getting started. And she was already, frankly, one of the smartest, most polished candidates I would, would see. Mm. And she had just beginning in politics, seriously, given up her green stuff. And right then she was considered uh, one of the most important young progressives in America. She was she was extraordinarily articulate stuff. The jag that she went off so that she could have been a fairly conservative Democrat and still won the Democratic nomination. She just kept going further and further to the right and and doing things that were extremely provocative. I don't know what was driving her. I think it's psychological rather than some. But I would not underestimate her political skills or her ability now that she's been cultivating big donors back east to come up with the money to run. Yeah, but, you know, in a, right. in a general election campaign in a three-person race in Arizona, she's going to be attacked by the Republican and the Democrat in advertising because she's still caucusing with the Democrats. So in a general election race, the Republican candidate, even if she's an independent, will run ads talking about her Democratic yeah. Party background and her votes for the Democratic Party. And if Rubin's the candidate, he'll go after her from the left. So I, I, I'm not saying she she'll win. I'm thinking that she'll be a spoiler. She can say, right. she'll look, be a spoiler. I'm being attacked from both sides. I'm in the middle. <laughs> Like she'll you. love that. Poor baby. <laughs> yeah, she'll yeah. love that. Then it comes comes down to how important, leaving aside the money side of running with a party behind you, is how important are those foot soldiers and the people who knock on doors, right. the people who make telephone calls, and the people who host the house parties, and all of those people. Because among those people in the Arizona Democratic Party, there is no love loss for her at all. Yeah, and exactly. she now has two years to build up her uh, would, army of volunteers. But she won't. She She's won't ever. Herself. She won't ever be able to recover Democrats. She really, really won't. No. So, but independents are the largest group in the state, and so her, her potential of throwing the contest to a Republican. She's going to work this for everything she can get out of it. Whatever yeah. it is she wants, she wants money, votes. She's. You you can't underestimate her. I I, I will say. I, this. I'm not saying that she. Um, is necessarily going to win, but I am saying that I think given her circumstances, given where she found herself, this was a very, very brilliant political move yeah, on uh, her part. Yeah, Dan, that's, that's all I'm saying. Uh, Dan, um, on 2024, um, I know you, you said the House looked like it could flip, and I agree with you. One of the things that concerns me about the Senate is, and I don't know if you're hearing the same thing or you're aware of the races that are going to be up in two years. But Too many Democratic incumbents yes. have to defend. Yeah, the, the, the punditry out there is talking already about how it's going to be tough for the Dems to, to hold the Senate. Well, Steve, as you know, I, I don't bother listening to the pundits very much. Good for you. <laughs> Even though you are one, technically. Uh, you know, where are they? Uh, yeah. There are three tricky seats. One is your seat in Arizona, which uh, I think Cinema right. has a good chance of holding, or Gallego. I mean, he may well pull it off. Right. Uh, you have um, uh, Ohio, Sherrod Brown, but right. I think he can win. He knows how to win mm -hmm. in that state. Mm -hmm. He's an incumbent, and Ohioans love incumbents. Right. 
And then you have Joe Manchin, who, uh, again, is sort of an institution right. in West Virginia, and I think he could very well hold ground, right. hold serve. Uh, the other one people worry about is John Tester in North Dakota, but boy, does he have a loyal Tester's, Tester's he, in Montana. He's beloved yeah. up there. Yeah, Montana. Montana. So I'm not as worried, and the others, I think, are all in pretty good shape. Uh, on the other hand, you have Rick Scott in, in Florida, oh, who I think could be very vulnerable. Yeah. He's been clashing with McConnell and all the establishment Republicans. So uh, I I think things are not as bad. But the big two big things I would reply here here's my, the essence of what I have to say for 2024. First of all, the economy is going to be much better by then. Yep. Inflation will be tamed. I think we're going to have a soft landing. Look at the fact that we're at 3.7% unemployment after all the Fed has done. We have a very strong basic economy, which is going to hold. And the second thing is, I think Joe Biden is going to be pretty popular by that point. Yeah, not to Primarily mention... Primarily because of the economy, but also because of the big victory in Ukraine. Uh, also, all the infrastructure projects, will, we'll which be, will right. then be up and running throughout the country. I know that I think both of us were skeptical about uh, Joe Biden running again and not that enthusiastic and uh, even less enthusiastic about his vice president. Uh, the situation you think has changed more in his favor than 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 when well we in my a in my prediction ago. back in July I said Biden was going to be very popular and one thing I pointed out was I think he's been an exceptional president yep. I think he's certainly the best president we've had since JFK and you could argue you could make a case that Biden is going to go down in history as uh, our best president since FDR. Do you think there's any chance that he could run, win, and then resign like a no, year into it? No, he wouldn't want to. Yeah. Unless he has health problems. That, that right. of course, is the wild card. But if he stays healthy, and so far he's perfectly healthy, uh, I don't see he would not want to resign because he then have uh, a Democratic Congress, probably they would do away with the filibuster if they have a sufficient margin in the Senate. And all sorts of his whole agenda could start to pass. So I think uh, he would stay around for that. Maybe Supreme Court reform if they have both houses. <laughs> uh, if you remember, I listed that as the most important issue in my a little email back in July, right. my prediction. Yeah. And yeah. I think, yes, you, you'll see term limits. On, yeah. But I think what they'll do is they'll term limit the current justices as well mm -hmm. by elevating them to senior status. In other words, we'll say 18 years, and then you go into senior status, at which point you only sit on cases if someone has to recuse. Uh, but otherwise, you don't sit on cases. You're just sitting there drawing your salary because we can't deprive them of their salary no, under no, the Constitution. No. We're stuck yeah. with that. And, of course, but the... the uh... They wouldn't be actually deciding cases, so you could switch the court over that way. 
And if the Supreme Court continues to do the sort of things that, you know, Justice Thomas talked about, makes more moves against, you know, um, same-sex marriage, against contraception, uh, more things on voting, that energizes, the, you know, the Democratic base and that that you know that helps Biden and the things if he's sort of seen as well, the as the opposition protecting us from the sixty five percent polling in favor of term limits yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, across the country it's very very uh, sensible given you know the realities of how long people live now and uh, I think that could get passed without too much trouble. The other thing I w- uh, they're going to do in, at the same time is pass ethics reform and say justices are not allowed to vote on cases that directly affect their interests. Well, you know, if you do that and someone tries to bring a case that, you know, term limits can't apply to current justices, they can't vote on it. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're a sneaky guy. Well, it's, this is being talked about, right. and I, I, I think know. it makes. And, but yeah. you need the uh, the ethics reform as well. I know. And I'm that's, just joking. That's very popular. Dan, Dan, given given the the rejection of of all the Trump candidates uh, in the last election, and how people obviously were voting for Democrats in response to all the craziness the last few years, how much of an impact do you think? The the uh, chaos that is obviously going to happen in the House over the next two years going to impact people voting in 24. I think a lot. I think you're absolutely right. That's that's an area that will catch people's attention. But you're also going to see chaos uh, at the level of the presidential uh, contest within the Republican right, Party. You're right. going to have Trump in there. You're going to have uh, DeSantis, other candidates, and uh, I see the Republican Party splitting one way or the other. Mm, yeah, you know, maybe Trump carries the nomination, but if he does, uh, uh, he's he's poison. And in the general election, uh, if he doesn't win the nomination, someone else gets it. Trump is going to tell his voters to stay home. He's going to tell them the process was rigged. So one way or another, that and what the Republicans will do in terms of malfeasance in the House, put those two together, and uh, that's another reason why I think Biden is going to uh, uh, carry off a very sizable victory. How about a prediction? Do you think that uh, Trump will be the Republican nomination in two years? Oh, it's so, so hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, uh, pred- I'm predicting jail. My, That's my I'm predicting point jail. Is, I'm not sure it matters. Yeah. One way yeah. or the other, uh, the Republican nominee is going to be wounded. Aren't the Democrats praying that Trump is the nominee at this point after what happened in the last election? I mean, uh, they're kind of yes, but on the other hand, if he isn't the nominee. He's going to cause so much trouble yeah. for whoever is. If he's if he's not behind bars, even behind Kevin, <laughs> even if he's behind, behind bars, bars, he will cause. He That's right, because the media will, because the media will cover him, uh, right? He'll yes. get press conferences. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll go back on Twitter from jail. <laughs> I'm not convinced they'll ever get him to uh, uh, 
get him to jail. No, I think but, he might get indicted and convicted, but I don't see him doing any jail time. You know, most of the. I I, I don't either, but but one can hope. Yeah. <laughs> so Dan, uh, what else to kind of begin to wrap this up because we're running short of time. We've got what. Four minutes left, so you have four minutes to make four outstanding uh, predictions. <laughs> well, again, one of the things that I, I want to stress is that if what we, we were just talking about, you know, if the Republicans implode because of Trump, for all the reasons we've discussed, uh, and if Biden uh, is much more popular because the economy has improved, uh, because he's managed to score a significant victory in Ukraine. That's something we haven't talked about, but I think uh, chances are there will be a settlement by then that Americans will really like. Uh, if all of those things happen, uh, then Biden will carry in a lot of Democratic candidates at the House and Senate level. I think that sounds good, Dan. We need to start thanking our supporters and um, and contributors to our show. Democrats of the Red Rocks is the local Sedona-based Democratic club, one of the strongest, most active clubs in, in, in Arizona, and was, I think, uh, instrumental in seeing that we had a good local election here with uh, yeah. with a Trump when is the meeting, Karen? Um, well, the next, the, the an in, where Democrats and Republicans have their annual meeting in January, which will be the first in-person meeting in three years. It's January fifteenth, wow. from five to seven o'clock at St. Andrew's Church. I know that they always invite some of the statewide, candidates, you know, statewide candidates, other people. I don't know who their guests will be, but I'm sure there'll be interesting speakers on the sort of talking about Arizona as a whole, the legislative session, looking ahead to 2024 in Arizona. Should so. be major candidates. It should be somebody. Yeah, should be. And we're going to be we're going to be voting on three new board members at the at the yeah. next meeting, and also uh, new president and vice president. Yeah. All right. So and, it's, it's an important yeah. meeting, folks. And. Uh, all our Democrats should, yeah. should try and to it, attend. It's a potluck and always has a great dinner because mm-hmm. everybody yeah. in Sedona, a lot of great cooks who bring a lot of great food for that. Um, the other people we need to thank is the Yavapai County Democratic Party. Um, last week we interviewed the new Democratic uh, chairman for Yavapai County. So if you didn't hear us last week, you know, go to vvid.org and download that show because we talked about things at the can- what, what happened this past year in the county. And the county party is very strong. Yes. So on um, what we can do in the next couple of years. Two, two great uh, party leaders last week, Mike Vogel and Lama. Habern. Habern. So uh, we have a, a good read. Um, I always recommend that you folks get a copy of the Yavapai County newsletter. It's an excellently edited and, and run newsletter. There's also the Yavapai uh, Democrats at Cottonwood have a newsletter that comes out. These are things that you can do very easily. And um, and I will say that all the material is well written and, and, and yeah. concise. Yeah, on that side, even though most of Sedona is in Yavapai County, the Coquino County Party as well does an excellent monthly newsletter and monthly events up there if you want to trek up towards Flagstaff. I know as the snow starts to fall, 
in the wintertime, we don't do that as often, but it's, they have some great things going on up in Flagstaff for the whole. Yeah, we should do more talking with Coconino yep. uh, Democrats. Thing to remember, folks, is one-third in Coconino County, two-thirds in Yavapai County. It's just the way that Sedona has been uh, structured. Uh, we had a really good uh, mayoral and city council election here and hope these uh, will continue. Um, Stephen, you got any last uh, words? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm not last words. No, no, well, I definitely want to. I definitely want to stay in touch with our guest today because I want to compare notes on pronunciations for uh, 2024. <laughs> yeah, and it's also on our upcoming shows, the Democratic Party of Arizona will be electing a new chairman, so we may try to get some of those candidates on the show if we can to talk about state politics. Thank you for being with us, Dan. Always enjoy talking to you. And listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.